This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together. And since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Sinead Stiletto is in the house. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> so excited to be here, Sandy. You're so magnificent. Thank you so much oh for gosh. having me today. Oh, thank you. I tell you, you and I just connected so quickly at the conference in D.C., and it was so funny because I didn't, I just knocked on that door and I walked in and you poor thing, you're changing your clothes. I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was stretching, had a leg up, you know, I was right. in my split, getting ready for my performance. My I know. Performance. Oh my gosh. So as I mentioned before I hit record, it would take me an hour to read your entire bio. And this is a short one, but just to give the audience a glimpse of who I'm about to speak with. Shanae is a former two-time world champion acrobatic gymnast. She's a USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame member, a circus preneur, and I'd never heard that term until I met you, a world-class circus head balancer inducted into the World Aerobic Hall of Fame, who has been performing for nearly two decades, all of, including Cirque du Soleil. So that was really incredible. Um, and you were the first ever African-American woman to perform a, a lead character in an acrobatic role in Cirque du Soleil. That's incredible. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> I've just been giddy waiting for this because I just wanted to see your beautiful face again and your performance at that conference. So you spoke a little bit, but you gave us a show. <laughs> and... For the audience, Shanae is one of those acrobatic performers that can hold herself on one hand, legs stretched out over her head, moving in different positions. And it's like, wow, incredible. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy. <laughs> I had a great time putting that performance together. I did something unique, which is funny because I've been asked um, very recently several times to incorporate my hand balancing acrobatic circus performances with a talk. So it's been a really fun experience combining the two. It's a nice little challenge of going from cardio upside down to, hi, <laughs> I need to be present and remember what I'm going to say today, <laughs> what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Great. So the audience is great. Women were great. It was. It was really incredible. So I want to dive into a lot about of what you're doing, but you have a really phenomenal story. And I don't know how much you want to share about it. That's totally up to you. But can you just give the audience a glimpse of your gymnastics career and heading into where you are today? Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Sandy. I um I was fortunate enough to become the first ever American world champion in acrobatic gymnastics. And so acrobatic gymnastics is the non, it's one of the non-Olympic disciplines under the umbrella of UC gymnastics. So I was competing alongside my friends that were artistic gymnasts that do the balance beam, like Simone Biles or Shannon Miller, Dominique Dawes for audience listening there. And I do the partnering acrobatic um, form of gymnastics. So I had a partner and I was also fortunate to become a two-time world champion. So that had never been done before for America. I became an honorary Olympian in 2004. I uh, was uh, inducted into the USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame because of that. I uh, went on the Olympic tours um, because of that, which was really amazing. They'd never had acrobatic gymnasts on an Olympic tour before. So at that time in my career, things were very epic and uh, quite revolutionary for those times. And it allowed me to transition into the circus. I was heavily recruited by Cirque du Soleil from when I was a young, young teen. That's back when they used to employ teenagers. They don't do that anymore. So I was in kind of that world from the very beginning. And so for those unfamiliar again with acrobatic gymnastics, many of the Cirque du Soleil acrobatic performances that you see for years and years and years actually come from my sport. And again, crossing my fingers that one day becomes Olympic sport. Um, but I, again, was able to benefit from so many of those, um, uh, so, so much of that world um, by being, you know, quite historic at that time. So I set off into my circus journey and I started performing not just for Cirque du Soleil, but all over the world for so many different entertainment companies, uh, popular circuses uh, within Europe, within Asia. I really branched out. I wanted to be an independent performer. That's what I call a circuspreneur. I coined that phrase uh, a few years ago because I feel like that is what kind of encapsulates what it means to be me. You are an entrepreneur. You are seeking for yourself. You are creating for yourself. And you are in a very niche environment and niche artistic form that it's still, even though circus is now very mainstream and uh, it's projected all over our screen through the Got Talent franchises, which I've been on all of those. I've been on America's Got Talent twice. I've been on Netherlands Got Talent, Germany's Got Talent, Spain's Got Talent, Argentina's Got Talent. It, there's kind of not a Got Talent that I've not been on at this point. But that is very much the world that I have figured out how to hustle in and how to create this career out of. I also am an advocate, um, uh, an advocate for youth sports and uh, for, for survivors within the Olympic movement. I'm a survivor of USA Gymnastics. So for those familiar with the really, really big settlement case uh, that involved the Larry Nasser survivors, there are hundreds of us that uh, were a part of that case actually. And um, so I've been doing advocacy work for many, many years, first advocating for myself, obviously as a survivor, and then branching off to advocate for others and taking that advocacy work also to into the circus environment and the circus industry, because there's a lot of non-regulation within the circus industry right. that is very similar to the gymnastics world. And so I found myself in this really valuable position where I could take 
so many things that I learned within one world and bridge it to another because the gap was very, very small. <laughs> so I work with state senators, Congress people, and um, I've worked with several different nonprofit organizations, uh, getting new laws passed, um, uh, getting statutes uh, extended, and uh, no formulation of language, of law language. And so it, again, has um, taken me into many, many different spaces from starting in one environment and then harnessing that knowledge and evolving into other spaces and using it for different things that I feel are very valuable and uh, could make some very valuable change in the world, so. Mm. Wow. You're, <laughs> you're just incredible on so many levels. And I love that you're taking an experience that was traumatic and very tragic and you're you're putting it to something really good to help others i mean that's yeah. that's really really amazing because not a not and a lot of women don't have the courage quite frankly it's hard and we're up against a lot i and when yeah. you start getting into these systems you know it's it's not it's not easy being called basically a liar you know for the past what 10 or 13 years that i've been involved with the settlement actually going through the criminal court cases um even having a certain level of notori notoriety and um seeing how kind of far not far how limiting that is um and how far that can kind of take you and thinking that oh well i mean i'm definitely going to be in a different category even because i have a certain level of notoriety here and why would anybody challenge me on my truth or or right. on what i have to say or what happened and you see all of the different hurdles that we are up against. And I always tell, you know, people, because I'm an advocate for rain as well. And so I've um, been working with so many survivors of the years and I have many conversations where I say, I don't blame you. I don't blame you if you don't want to go forward. If you don't want to go mm -hmm. forward in a system that is broken, um, you know, when you have this system, even within dealing with, you know, people like uh, Simone Biles or, a case of this size where the FBI was willing to push the cases under the rug. Um, and these are very, you know, high profile people. So anyone else in a space that does not have what we perceive as more access, thinking, where is my case going to go? How am I going to be treated? Um, and it definitely takes an entire village to support you through this. Like my settlement and our settlement is not over. And so that's been six years from start to finish. And it'll now be you know, almost 10 plus years start to finish for myself um, from when my original case began. So that's many, many years of your life, of your time, of your energy, of your happiness, and getting very serious about what you want to do every single time something comes up because you have the choice. They come to you and they say, this is a new aspect of the case. This is a new aspect of where you can maybe go. And where are you at in your life? And sometimes you don't feel like you want to go there anymore. You have to bring, you know, people close to you into that aspect of your life again. And you are a different person every single time something comes up. So for me, it's been uh, very helpful and almost necessary to just have an amazing support system and seeking out every single opportunity of support that I absolutely can. I, we had this conversation too, Sandy, about, you know, things like years ago that I was seeking out were super friend. And now they're just like the standard in treatment for PTSD and treatment for survivors of abuse. And so I'm grateful too that I was able to harness that through those mm -hmm. that were just really brilliant and saw, okay, you are going to have, this is a very complicated journey. And it's not something that just like happens overnight. A survivor's journey is, I think, a consistent and constant evolution, especially if, if you have to keep on digging back into the legal system, unfortunately, which 
has a lot to be left desired. <laughs> mm, yeah, to put it to put it in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> Very lightly. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't imagine, you know, because we all have most people have some sort of trauma from their childhood, you know, and, and there's all different levels and comes in different shapes and sizes and whatnot. That's something that probably more women than, than we know have gone through because not everybody admits it and whatnot. How did you, how did you come to terms with that to be able to one, because you have to make peace with it at some point, right? Because otherwise it's going to rule and ruin your life. And, and then to, to be able to have, not only have peace with it, but find happiness in your life. Mm, yes. And that is, that is, I think the most important thing, Sandy, of finding peace within your life and not allowing it to be your life. It's right. not who I am. It's not, it's not my life. It's not. And, you know, I've sought a lot of spiritual guidance. You and I connected over Marianne Williamson, um, yes. who, who I find exceptional. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I'm a, a devout meditator. I have been, I've been on several different spiritual journeys um, in finding what speaks to me the best and throughout right. that as well, utilizing um, that valuable, I think, information to assist myself on these different journeys and having mentors and having spiritual advisors and getting the psychological treatment that I very much need. But I really did come in contact with people and mainly one of them was Marianne Williamson, who I've had, you know, several, several interactions with of saying that this is not going to define your life. Right. This is not going to define who you are. And I think it's maybe easier for certain individuals, maybe just based upon personality wise or whatnot, I can't really say for sure, to really get that and to really say, and, and for that to get in. I really got that. Um, it got in years ago where I knew for a fact that this was not going to be like a badge that I wore. Right. For my entire life, it was going to be a tool that I use and it was going to have to be something that I had to pay attention to and that I was going to have to understand multiple layers of myself and not retrieve anything that was maybe lost, but really just create a completely different human being and see who that person is going to be. And without coming back to that sense of struggle for every single thing that happens in my life which is, again, can be a very difficult thing to do. So again, having the access that I've had and um, putting that at the forefront of everything that I do and wanting my life to be about more than that, but definitely be like a key to open up other, you know, avenues for myself, which it in turn was, you know, was able to be. And again, I think also too, not turning yourself into any kind of martyr has very much helped me. I don't have to be here to um, to hold the suffering and pain of every single person that I encounter or that I meet, um, or uh, you know, um, or 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 be the leader of a fight. I found myself, you know, I've I've gotten in touch with that aspect of myself that knows that it doesn't have to do that um, because that can also lead to yeah. a lot of different suffering, which I have had to learn that, you know, I've learned these different things. And for every single person, it's different. Right. Every single person doesn't necessarily need to feel that way or think that way or, you know, move through these kind of circumstances in that exact same way. But for me, it's been very important 
to be that way and to learn where I am going to be helpful and useful and that I definitely have to put my like healing and the attention on myself first um, because when you are a survivor as well, you tend, and when you, I think, find that space within you to like want to seek justice, you think, okay, I'm just going to go out and seek justice for everyone. And it just doesn't have to be about me anymore and all of those different things. And I think it is definitely, you know, there's a higher power there in a lot of ways where you're doing something that is beyond yourself. But if you are not consistently doing that work, whatever kind of work that may be, I think that that's where the struggles happen. And for me, it's daily. It's it's daily, daily, daily work. And then it's tune-ups constantly in rediscovering, okay, have I been ignoring some facet of myself that really needs care? Or, you know, am I talking too much? I had to put up a lot of boundaries of how I engage with these conversations that involve my story, that involve that trauma, that involve that struggle, and saying that's not something that'll be a part of every single conversation that I have. That is not something that I will give certain details about. Um, and I had to learn that too. And so picking and choosing when I delve in, how deep I delve is so important because it really allows me to live my days anew which I feel like when you have those levels of trauma, you feel like you're kind of repeating things all the time. You're repeating, you're stuck in that repetitive kind of PTSD state where there's a story and a dialogue going on and it doesn't shift out of that. So being able to shift out of that and not let yes. that spiral you down all of the time for me is very important and only possible with Le those levels of boundaries that I put in all over these years and still learning all the time. <laughs> of course. But what you're, what you're really talking about is just that self-love and that self-care and self-awareness to recognize when you're having some sort of, you know, the PTSD that shows up and being able to, you know, this PTSD switch pops on and then you're, you're able to turn it off. And yeah. And having that level of self-control, which you have, yeah. which is learned completely. It is so learned. It is so learned because I have PTSD from a whole very different set of circumstances. And I've learned to be able when it shows up and it doesn't show up that often any longer when it does, I'm able to reduce it because for me, it shows up in anxiety where I get a, like almost a panic attack and I'm able to calm myself down within usually less than 30 seconds. And it just, it's, it's, everybody has their own method and their own technique and you need to figure out what works for you, but that's so important. And even if you haven't gone through a major trauma and you, you don't have PTSD or anything like that, you still have to be self-aware of your thoughts because the, the negative thoughts are still popping in your brain and it doesn't matter. And I think that life in and of itself can cost, like constantly traumatic. Of course. You know, it's, I think, you know, when even when I am discussing it with, you know, individuals that think like, oh, well, I haven't had something like that, but I still have so many things. And like, well, there's so many elements to life that yeah. come up. And, you know, again, for me, within my life, every single thing that I go through is not that particular trauma. It's it's right. new versions right. of, of life events that come up that challenge you that you know, that, that take from you, that make you have to source a new version of yourself That's that right. you don't know if you're capable of doing. And 
it can induce a lot of fear. And, you know, again, it comes back to even A Course in Miracles. You know, I'm, am I going to choose love? Am I, am, am I going to choose fear? I mean, my Course in Miracles lesson for today is let me recognize that all of my problems have been solved, that this problem has been solved, that there are no problems, really, that the only problem I have is, is my separation from God or my separation from the universe or my separation from, from spirit, whatever you like to call it. And that is... For me, that anchors me so deeply, just remembering that without within the course of my day, because we we value issues, I think. I think we value problems a lot more than we value solutions a lot within our lives. I've definitely seen that for myself of how much am I cradling the problem instead of really amplifying the solution in my conversations or like in my interactions with anyone that I am with, whether it's a stranger or those that I, I really deeply love and have been connected to. So <laughs> I mean, what you just said, you just put it so beautifully. And you know, <laughs> don't focus on the problem. Let's focus on the solution. And and because at the end of the day we have a choice as to what we're gonna think and how we think. You know, yeah, we say there's we nobody holding a gun to your head, making you think this way. We're choosing it ourselves. Right? Yes. And the power, the power that we have, I think remembering again, how much control and power that we do have. And then obviously the things that we get to let go of. And that's yeah. been a great lesson for myself too. There's certain things where it's like, okay, I, I cannot control that. Like there was, you know, an aspect to my case that I was literally waiting in spirit or in space for, for, for a few years a few years, I could never have known how it would come together in the way that it did for me to be able to, um, uh, to be to be able to be involved, um, and to be included, for example, within the settlement process that I'm included in now. And there was so much about that, that I had to let go of. And again, that's a bigger, a bigger thing. Um, but again, I think with the bigger things, when you learn how to do that, it makes the smaller things a lot easier too. Um, <laughs> Because yeah. there is, there is, there is, there is a network that is working on your behalf at all times. And I know that oh, yeah. even when I forget that, I, 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 you know, and those I think are where you have people and representation in your life that brings you back that mirrors that for you of like, wait a second, do you remember that thing that happened? And it was extraordinary. Like, why are you doubting that to work for you again? It, it worked so many times and I've had so many miracles and miraculous situations in my life even when I've been in spaces of you know a lot of torture um emotional torture um you know uh, in 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 spaces that I didn't know how I was going to get out of or if I was going to get out of them and again I have to say I'm very grateful that I do have I think a default a default setting in certain ways that is more prone to being optimistic, which I know that there are certain people some people that mm -hmm. don't feel like they naturally have that and right. I I feel like having that foundation and then acknowledging that and then realizing that there is power within the space that I have to control the way that I feel. You can't maybe control what happens to you or what people do, right. but controlling right. your perspective and having that shift in perspective, which they say is actually what the miracle is, which I love. A miracle is just a shift in perspective, which is that could be a shift in perspective within anything or in any anything. way. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, exactly. you don't know what that, you know, what that shift is, is going to be. And having that just within the course of your day, how much that can just change your life and change like your decision making from one day to the next. And having, I think that, um, that container to source that in, which for me is transcendental meditation, which is first thing in the morning, which is again, hopefully at the second part of my day going into the night. Um, so that I don't say things that 
I should not say. I don't send emails that I should not send. I should not have <laughs> conversations that would be best left unsaid. Yes, yes. <laughs> and maybe exactly. if it's not like my best day, it's better than I would have been had I not done those things and gotten myself into unnecessary trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I love this right behind you. You have one of your, your um, picture frames back there and it says you are exactly where you need to be. I love that. It's just, oh. I mean, if everybody could just get that, oh. the world would be such a better place. Oh. Well, isn't the struggle always of like, I am not where I'm supposed to be. No, yeah. like no matter what, you, you've yeah. gotten the success, you've gotten the thing you wanted, you've gotten the this, you've gotten the that, whatever is material, even the feeling, even, right. even if you're in that space, I am still not necessarily where I want to be. I could be somewhere else. That's right. <laughs> like, Imagine it doesn't need to just be here. You can't just be here. I would love to just be somewhere else that the mm -hmm. mind is always pulling you towards something other than where you are, which is magnificent right here. And right now we just, we don't want to sit with ourselves. And I think that just comes back to where we are culturally too, with mm -hmm. the access to everything. When you have access right. to everything, I feel like it's hard to be satisfied with anything. <laughs> and that just, you know, I think that that's, you know, a very sad, you know, a very sad reality of where we are right now. But however, I feel like at the same time, people are even more aware right now of wanting to come back to being present. I think that's why everyone's so hungry for it. I know that's why I hunger for that. Um, yeah. When I'm struggling yeah. and fighting against reality, I think uh, Byron Katie says that, of, you know, like, why are you arguing, arguing with reality? Like you arguing with reality is what is making you struggle and is what is making you so <laughs> unhappy because things just are, there's just a cup and there's just a cell phone. That's it. Like, that's it. It's just a woman sitting. There's no story. <laughs> the story is you causing problems. <laughs> I love it. There's so many people. All the time. There's so many people. I want to make sure that listen to this, this um, episode <laughs> that need to hear that message. It's, not coming from me, coming from someone else. <laughs> you know, I, I said all the time. I know he's done because so for real. <laughs> it's like that self-talk that we have with ourselves. And like I say, I I think I, you know, may I be the woman that, you know, the universe would love for me to be each day and may I be better than I were yesterday. And having that self-talk with myself and, right. you know, reminding me of those things and then wanting to live that, wanting to, to live that. I mean, obviously we're, we're imperfect, but using those as guides, it creates yes. for me an exceptionally better day, better moment and in interaction uh, than I think that I otherwise would have had. And that again, goes back to, you know, I love, I love how, I love how you speak so much about happiness. Um, and happiness fulfilled, Sandy, because that is a space that I, I I would love to inhabit and a space that I feel like we can inhabit a much more than we usually do. And even within navigating all of our issues and all of our problems, finding the space to be able to have distance from that, which again is what I, I think the value of what I've gotten out of meditation, even when I feel like I have gotten nothing from this, what am I doing? <laughs> And then I look back on, you know, certain times or certain days, and I think that it's so beautiful that you don't even get to really see it. Sometimes it's like even like the unpatterning or the shifts, you don't even really get to see them until you're able to look back on your life and you're like, wow, oh my gosh, I like, I do so much better now. Like my jumping off point, I think 
is much higher um, within whatever I seem to be confronted with. And I was speaking to a friend about this the other day, you know, they were speaking about happiness and joy and, you know, and kind of doing the thing that we do, which is, you know, like, well, I feel like I've been good. Or I feel like I've been, you know, something positive in this way. Why is this happening? And a thing that I have gotten with in my life is that bad things happen regardless of who you are. That's right. Tragedy happens regardless of who you are. You cannot insulate your life from right. tragedy, from problems, from bad things. What we call bad, do we even know always is bad? Or, you know, sometimes it's just the next, I think, incarnation into who you are. Um, even though I do, obviously, with what, you know, we have experienced, I, you know, remind people, you know, don't worry. Of course, I, 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 I know evil. You know, we know, we know that, uh, we know that very, you know, horrific things happen. So it's not saying like, oh, like, you know, like, I don't, I believe that everything happens for a reason. It's like not, it's never bad. Of course it is. But, you know, I think that that comes back to what you were saying as well of our responsibility to ourselves. And it's what we are, what we are tasked and maybe hopefully called intuitively to do with mm -hmm. those things that happen. Um, and Again, it's not to put weight on anyone of every single thing that happens to you has to be harnessed and turned into something that's good or something that's for the betterment of others. Or, But I mean, if it could be for the betterment of yourself um, in any way, shape or form and whatever that looks like, because it doesn't have to be this big grand scale, which I have had to learn that lesson too um, very many times. It doesn't have to be this really, really big thing. It could literally just be that I get to enjoy my tea in a more peaceful way today. That's right. <laughs> Well, and just to just a quick follow up of what you were saying, you know, people expect instant gratification and they want, you know, they sign up for a course and they want they want this immediate result. And, you know, when I work with my clients, especially the athletes that I work with, I tell them, like, just try to get one percent better every day or even one percent better every week, you know, depending <laughs> on where you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Just one yeah. percent. Because people are like, they, they just want it now. And it doesn't, things don't work that way because it, because it's all compounded, right? So if you look at it 30 days from now and you try to get, you know, 1% better every week, 30 days from now, you know, even though that may be 1% each week, that's compounded. So it's a lot, you know, you're going to see a lot more results, you know, that's a beautiful way to put it, Sandy. Thank you. Yes. Well, we're almost out of time, but can you just give the audience a, a glimpse of what you're doing right now? Because I know you're doing a show in Vegas. And can you just tell us a little bit about, about that and, and how long you're going to be in that particular show? Well, I perform at a, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's real. It's a really cool space, actually. It's, it's a distillery. It's a, it's an immersive Cirque experience and it involves a lot of things. It's very, it's a very whimsical place. It's called the Lost, Lost Spirits Distillery. It's within a complex called Area 15 here in Vegas. It's off the strip and it's fabulous. It's got a lot of burlesque in it. It's got magicians in it. Um, it has a little bit of dinner in there. It's, it's got a little bit for everybody. It's very dark. It's very bordello. Um, it's kind of cabaret ish and it's like my favorite version of performances. And so I'm a resident performer there. I perform nightly five to six days a week. And wow. I've been working there now for nearly a year. And we'll see how long I stay. Okay, so <laughs> it's, it's indefinite right now. 
definite right now, yes. And not like in a short-term contract or um, okay. I'm not gigging as we say in our circus world right now or in our circuspreneurship or our circuspreneur uh, environment where you can just be kind of going from show to show. I've got a steady gig, which is fantastic. And so it's a it's a whole lot of Cirque du Soleil people there where, you know, it's ex-Cirque du Soleil people. It's people that still actually work for Cirque du Soleil. Some people have multiple jobs here in Vegas. So they go and they work at Cirque du Soleil on certain days and they come and they work at the distillery on other days. So it's a beautiful melting pot of artistry and circusing. <laughs> I love it. Now, where can everyone find you um, on social media? You can find me at Sinead Stiletto on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. You can also look for my Live Like an Acrobat podcast, which is where I explore all things circuspreneurship, um, circuspreneurs, uh, the advocacy work that I do, um, high performance uh, athletics or athletics uh, that I, uh, you know, kind of delve into and explore uh weekly sometimes bi-weekly i also work for circus talk which is the biggest circus network uh in the world and i have a series think like an acrobat there too where i teach the business side of being a circuspreneur and i break that down with amazing professionals from all over wow. the world and we uh source each and every single topic that you can imagine within this environment and uh, we see how you how we can how we can how we can do it better and how we can be more savvy um and i'm also on youtube at shanae stiletto as well and yes thank you so much for having me sandy oh and my for gosh for tuning in and listening <laughs> thank you thank you so much i hope i get an opportunity to come and see your show when i'm in vegas next week yes. so fingers yes. crossed Yes. And uh, I will certainly let you know. And thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And thank you to all the listeners that joined in today. Thank you so much, Sandy. It's been a pleasure. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.